Scripture memory verse tonight, Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of waters, he turns it wherever he wishes. Proverbs 21.1. Close. Thank you. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like rivers of of water, he turns it whenever he wishes. Close. Oh. Where's it at? Proverbs 21.1. Close. I only added an S to hands, but you got two words wrong. Two? While we're grading. Oh. <laughs> Anybody else? Proverbs 21.1. King's heart is in the hand, no, in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, He turns it wherever He wishes. Proverbs twenty-one one. Good job. Anybody else? Uh, Proverbs twenty-one one. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, He turns it wherever He wishes. Proverbs twenty-one one. Good job. Well, you left out the, like the rivers of water. You said like rivers of water. It's fine. Anybody else? Yeah, you said whenever. You said whenever. That's why I said you got two words wrong. But it's good. This is what we want is we want to be able to look at Scripture, be able to speak Scripture, be able to talk about it, be able to meditate on it, be able to share it, you know, because we've completely silenced the church where they don't want to talk about Scripture. And we should be talking about scripture and when we're rising up, when we're setting down, every, every all day long it should be teaching moments no matter where we're at because scripture needs to be, the word of God needs to be at the heart of our families, of our lives, of, of everything because he is the center of it all. It's all about Jesus. Anybody else want to try it? No? Okay, well, keep an eye on verse 2. Every way uh, of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth, King James, or weighs the hearts. Um, I actually think that even 20, what verse was 30 that? goes together with it, if you look. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Now notice, uh, 20, 30, 21, 1 and 2, all three of these verses seem to support one another. All three of them have the word hearts in it because it's our heart. You know, when we begin to look at the Proverbs, I love the Proverbs, Proverbs 4 and 23. Uh, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow all the issues of life. Now, really, your heart is your center of you. The heart uh, is your mind, will, and emotions. The heart is the part where God wants to tear down the walls and change you completely and give you a new heart. Now, I'm not, uh, I, I mean, I probably should be careful as a Bible teacher to say that, but I'm not completely 100% positive which part of that is of us. And I can just tell you clearly, because my ways are not God's ways. I believe it's your mind, will, and emotions. I believe it's the part of your soul that is married to God. 
I believe all of that is there together once you believe in him. But I can't tell you emphatically that because the scripture sometimes will use it interchangeably with your soul, with your spirit. And there's times when they all are being used. I believe your heart, though, is your mind, will, and emotions. And the part of you that surrenders to God. Your conscience is your co-perception with God. And I was really surprised that the word conscience, when I looked it up, was not even used in the Old Testament. It's only used in the New Testament, unless I did something wrong when I was searching. I did, could not find it in the Old Testament. Now, conscience is your co-perception with God morally. Conscience, as you think about it, is the part of you that is convicted when God speaks to you, when you're thinking of right and wrong. And when you begin to surrender to God, you have co-perception with Him. In other words, everything that you perceive, you want to perceive it and you want to strain it or look at it through something, the eyes of the Word of God, because the Word of God is God Himself. God, very God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. Now I'm just putting all that out and laying it out there for you, because at the end of the day, you need to surrender to Jesus. I need to surrender to Jesus. We need to know that it's His Word is the only thing that never changes. Everything else does. It's shifting sand. The only rock that stays who He is is God. And He sent His Word to heal us and, and, and to, to bring us home, to lead us home. And as we're trying to go home, as you begin to walk this walk and run this race and live this life, everywhere you look, it's like war. There's going to be landmines. And those landmines are made of lies. And those landmines just want to just take God's word and move it just a little bit. Just as the devil brought it to Eve and said, you will not surely die. And began to sow doubt and a little bit of poop in the brownies, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of lie into the truth of God's word, who she already knew. Listen to me. Adam and Eve were walking with God daily in the garden, doing the work of God, fellowshipping with God, understanding and articulating the voice of God. When they heard the voice of God, they hid. So they knew exactly what his voice sounded like. They, in their conscience, understood what was going on, and yet they hid because now, because they listened to some other voice and they compromised the word and they picked up one of the landmines and said, this will not hurt me, even though God had already said, you will surely die. It was a spiritual death. And it's a spiritual death that happens slowly. Sometimes we become believers and we think, ah, I sinned some, it's not going to hurt me much because the ball bat didn't reach down and crack me in the side of the head. Listen, there's a slow dying that happens with sin. We sin against our own soul. And especially once we become children of God, because now our hearts begin to harden and not hear the voice of God when we clearly know that that is a sin against God. I am not trying to condemn it anything because all we have to do is confess it, agree with God. It's the same way as repentance. You begin to change your mind. You agree with God and you say, I agree, that was sin, that was wrong. But we have to understand also we need to tell him, I don't have any capacity not to sin against you unless it's me following your truth, being led by your spirit, walking in your power and your might to do your kingdom's work for your glory. There's no other way because what we do is we set up our own little kingdoms and we begin to go, okay, I got it. I got it. So I, 
I'm going to live for God. I said a prayer. I'm doing good. So now I'm going to start my own church. I'm going to start putting some chairs in it. I'm going to build all this other little stuff. And I'm going to make up all my own little things that look like church. Listen to me. Because church is the people. And so if the relationship of the people is not right, then the church is askew. It's not about the chairs being crooked. It's not about the color of the paint. It's not about all the parking lot. It's about the people because they are the ecclesia. They're the called out ones. They're the living stones that are being chipped away and fitted together and making a holy house with Christ as the head. They're the royal priesthood. And when they're not fitting together in fellowship and in life and oneness in mind, then it's the people that are ignoring God's word. But God will not force himself on us. Listen to me. But blows that hurt cleanse away evil. That's 20, 30. Listen, blows that hurt. Sometimes pain causes you to cry out. You can only go two places with pain, bitter or better. And the only way to get better is to cry out to God. Listen, blows that hurt cleanse away evil. We need to be washed and cleansed. Sometimes God will chastise us. Many times chastisement will come because he's a loving father. And a loving father, a loving parent, a loving authority figure will chastise. Listen, we are living in a world where we're moving clear away from chastisement. We're moving clear away from wrong. We're moving clear into fluidity. And if that's what you think, then it's okay because there's no real truth anyway. So we're not going to hold that against you. In fact, we're going to let you out of prison now. And we're just going to open up all the cells and open up all the insane asylums. And we're just going to stop punishing. We're going to stop arresting because if that's what you think, then you're good. See, there's no blows in that. There's no lesson in that. There's no training in that. There's no love in that. Yet the world and the church wants to call that love. Because I accepted you where you were at. How far off is that from the gospel? I mean, if everything is okay, then why would Jesus need to come and die? If everything is love, 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 and everybody's good, and your opinion's okay as mine is, then why do we need truth? Why do we need a Savior? Why would people sit around and go, hey man, just love? Really? Then why did Jesus die? Why did he come down as love incarnate and represent how you could obey God if we're not supposed to do it? Why did he just stay in heaven and go, let's just cancel it all? Because there would be no meaning, no purpose, no rhyme or reason. And God would just be this mean guy upstairs. And we know that he's not. We know that he's love. We know that he wants to share that with us in fellowship. He wants to come down and he wants us to be in fellowship. He wants us to be with him freely. Every bit of this is because he wants us to freely choose to love him. And he will do the work for us. But he could have designed people to do that anyway and just spoke them into existence but it would be real no it would be fake it wouldn't be real so he designed people with free will and he laid out a system where all you have to do is believe that he loves you and died for you and paid for you and then you can receive that same love then you can receive his seed in your heart that will grow up and produce fruit if you allow it to be watered by his Holy Spirit, who is, just happens to be the executor of his estate, who just happens to be the, the only way that you can prove you're a child of God is that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. 
Listen, there's always evidence of who we are a child of. And if the Holy Spirit plants his seed in us, he already knows where he's taking us, what he's doing with us, the gifting he's given us. And so we need to surrender to him and say, lead me, water me, teach me. And I want to be right behind you and follow you. Not dragging the Holy Spirit somewhere, not building a, a church building that looks like everything the world does and saying this is church and here's the Holy Spirit when there's no spirit whatsoever in it. So let's just look again. Blows that hurt, cleanse away evil. Well, we don't want to have any pain, so we have to have medicine. We don't want to have any blows that hurt, so we have to stop punishing. We want to take everything out. But God wants to remove evil from us. Well, why, Greg? Because every thought and intent of our heart is evil continually. And everything about God is good and loving and kind continually. So he has to conform us into his image. So sometimes, and then this is not talking about beating somebody. Sometimes it's just chastisement. Blows that hurt are good for us. Because they get your attention. A servant will not be corrected by words alone. Sometimes you have to go through the school of hard knocks. You need to learn it by making the mistake. And that's the best learner because it gets your attention. Blows that hurt cleanse evil from our souls. When you see the pain that it causes, the heartache that it brings to God. As do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Isn't that what we want is the inner depths of our heart changed? Oh, no, I just wanted to put on a new suit and walk to church and act like I was doing what everybody else was doing. Listen, that's how we go to hell, is to be pretenders. That's how we go to hell. None of us are righteous. No, not one. None of us. But then God gives us his righteousness. Now we are spotless. We are, we are chaste virgins before God. That's what he sees us as, because he sees us as finished. He sees us as the finished work. And he's given us his perfectness, his righteousness, his purity. But then he wants us to begin to follow him and to surrender to him and come back under the leading and guiding and teaching of his voice. He's the instructor. He's the one that is truth. He's the one that knows. And it's so amazing. I was thinking about it today. I was like, that is just like crazy. How could he ever change her? How could he ever say anything against himself? Because he's faithful. He can't deny himself because he is himself. He's love incarnate. But we were unfaithful. And we can deny ourselves. We can deny him. But he's faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful because he cannot deny himself. All he can tell us is truth because he's truth incarnate. All he can do is lead us in the right way because he's truth incarnate. All he can do is do everything that's good for us because he's truth incarnate. And because it's his will that all of us become conformed to his image, he can't do nothing but right in our life. So even when it's blows that hurt, it's cleansing away evil. Even when it's stripes that, that, that hurt the inner depths of the heart, it cleanses us. And it makes us prepared for his seed to allow his fruit to grow up out of it. And so then it says the king's heart. So kids, we're talking about hearts, right? Hearts. But then it says the king's heart, is it plural? Is in the hand of the Lord. Now listen to me, listen to me. He's not leaving out other hearts. 
What he wants you to understand is in this time, in this day, especially with Solomon, the king was like God. The king ruled everything. He was in authority of everything. In fact, when the king came to the throne, however long his arm was became the new measurement. However long his foot was became the new measurement. That was a foot, whatever big it is. So, so sometimes your land would increase because of the foot size of the king. See, because they became like gods. So it's all of the authority. So if the king's heart is so much in the hand of the Lord and his power and his strength and he guides them, how much more everybody else? And they wanted you to see that even the king, this is what we're wanting to see in this book of poetry, is that not just the king's heart, and we can go back and look at this a little deeper here in a minute, but it's not leaving out everybody else's heart. This is talking about the greatest man in the kingdom, the greatest man that rules and reigns in the kingdom, that God's controlling even his heart. When you think, man, that guy's got it going on. He's the CEO. He's got all the power. He can make all the shots. He's the president. No. No, there's a higher authority that every one of us has to answer to. That our hearts are to be in the hand of the Lord. And so how do we come to salvation and think that we can go on resisting the Lord? Which is exactly what Eve did to get us into this position. And who did it before her? Who was her leader? Adam was already resisted and not protecting his bride. That's how she learned to do it. Because of how Adam was doing. See, but we're not giving that testimony because we get good testimonies from God because he gives us his righteousness. But how did Eve learn to do that? Her head. Her head. See, and that's why it's so important to understand authority. Everything about this book is about authority. And it goes back to the one who has all authority. So how do I know that? Well, because after Jesus rose, what's the testimony of Jesus? All authority, Matthew 28, 18. All authority has been given to me now. See, this is the inheritance that he came to get back was all authority has been given to me. It's all power, really. All dudamus. All power has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He's given it to us now. He said, I'm commissioning you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey authority. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. That's the authority. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, this is what we've got to comprehend and grasp, that everything's about authority. How are you treating authority? you want to join the rebellion, or do you want to join God's house? You want to come back under the authority of God's voice and God's word. When God opens the door and goes, everybody come in the house. Are you going to be ready to rise in the, in, in, in the rapture of the church? Listen to me. When we were kids, we used to run and play. And somebody opened the door and yelled, everybody go to their house. The whole, everybody, all the kids would go in because it was dark now. And it was time to go in and get ready for school. And there was authority in the voice that we would hear. But now today, nobody wants to take authority, yet everybody wants to be the authority. Listen, it's true. It's both ways. Yeah, nobody I wants did. to be the authority. The buck doesn't stop here. No, I told them and they didn't do it. Wait a minute. The buck has to stop somewhere. Who is the authority? God says he's authority. God says every man's heart is in his, is in his hand, but he's never going to lead you to do evil. He's never going to tempt you I to do did. evil. We could go to James. Oh, camel knees. He'd tell you about it. He's never going to lead you to do anything bad, he but he's given you free will 
to do what is right. And what is right is follow him. That's what righteousness means, right living before God. And so not only did he take the penalty, then he took the power, but then he says, come on, let's go, follow me. We're going out of this burning house. We're going out of here. We're going upward to, to, to the throne room. Follow me. Be in the way with me. And then do we think that he doesn't know the way our heart is wrestling against him? We're under his power. Our hearts are in his authority. He knows everything that's in our heart. In fact, we don't know our hearts, but he does. He knows everything in here. And that, what, what, why? Because the word of God. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and powerful. Authority. It has authority. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's like a, a scalpel in a, in a physician's hand. It's able. It's got the ability to divide the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and it's a discerner. It's a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it knows our hearts. That's why we need to be looking to it, listening to it, following the authority of it, and that way we know we're on the rock-solid ground. Now, this is not like, oh, my goodness, if I fall here, I'm going to die. No, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about have we come to our senses? Have we really come to our senses and said, this is my salvation. This is identity. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. And I want to follow him because if I don't, I would have ended up in a ditch. If the blind lead the blind, they both end up in the ditch. And if you change the gospel, he'll take your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. That's not my words. That's his words. Go read it in Revelation 22, 18. If you change the gospel, if you change the word of God, it's no longer God's authority. If you change the word of God, it's no longer God's Mashiach. If you change the word of God, it's no longer Jesus the Christ. And he's the only name by which men can be saved and come back underneath the authority of God because he's the only one that obeyed perfectly the authority of the Father. He's the only one that come down and did the will of God perfectly. He's the only one that became our kinsman redeemer. And there's nobody else that has a perfect life, the perfect blood, the perfect sacrifice, a perfect atonement to give to us freely because he loves us as a husband. There's nobody else. So if you change who he is by ignoring what he's done and what he's calling us to do, then you're not saved at all. You're following some false religious system. And that's what's going on everywhere on the planet because it's easier to follow the flesh and easier to follow the false gospel. It's easier to follow what everybody else is doing than it is to say, wait a minute, this is of eternal importance and I need to sit down and find out what the voice of God sounds like. Find out what the truth of God is. Even if it hurts, even if it hurts, it's going to cleanse away evil. And isn't that what we want anyway if we really come to salvation? No, I want to keep living for the devil. I'm running with the devil. Really? In the church? Well, don't judge me, man. I said a prayer once. I'm sorry I'm being facetious. But we're in big trouble in the church if we think we can run around and keep living any way that we want and say it's going to be okay. And we're listening to charlatans. We're listening to spirit of Antichrist. We're listening to everything except for the spirit of God who leads you in the word of God to change you into the glory of God, into the image of God. 
we've got to wake up to what's going on and there's going to be no other authority when you get there you can't look up and go well Greg said listen you just can't you can't you better search out what I'm saying this is very important and what really drives me crazy is if this was just a co-worker at work and he was telling you about some schematic or about some diagram or about some uh, a contract or he was telling you, you wouldn't just sign it. You wouldn't just take it because it might mean your job and you wouldn't be able to pay your rent. And all we're worried about is an earthly house and we really have a spiritual house in the heavenlies that we should be concerned about. And we should be, be Bereans and search this stuff out daily when we've got this love letter before us. And it's not as important, listen to me, it's not as important whether they believe it or not. Do you believe it? Because what you believe can change them. But until you believe it and own it and identify it and understand it and say, Abba, Father, you can't help them. If you're haphazardly bouncing around, you can't help anybody else. They're saying, yeah, you're saying you believe it. But look what happened last week when, that, when you fell down, you skinned your knee. Yeah, oh yeah, everybody was the bad guy then, wasn't they? You was yelling about it. You was talking about everybody else. See, when there's blows that hurt, what happens? When you hit the wrong nail with the hammer, how do you live? What do you do? Paul was stoned to death and got back up and said, I'm still concerned about them souls. Why was he doing that? He's following Jesus' example. Jesus got up out of the grave and he ran and hid. No, he spent 40 days with his disciples speaking still of the kingdom of God because that's what he was doing before they killed him. That's what was on his heart the whole time. That's why he came. He never changed. We need to learn how to be the same people no matter what other people do around us. Well, they said, and she said, and listen, like I've been saying all day long, and I keep saying it, I'll get you a colored book, but I'm not going to give you the crayons. Okay? You need to get your own crayons. You need to get your butt up and get to work and find out what salvation is about and get your own crayons and color the pictures in. This is not hard. It's following the dots. He's left the bread. All we need to do is actually get up and do our part and work on our salvation with fear and trembling. I do not mind helping but I don't, know, I don't know that we have to diaper people. Because all I'm saying is they don't have the spirit if they don't even want to put a diaper on. Listen, I mean, it's just serious. This is serious stuff. I'm making some little bitty tiny jokes to take the hardness off of it. But we have churches full of people that think they're okay. And they're being deceived and led to hell. Because they won't even read their Bible to find out if the pastor's teaching what's true. And he's the one that's equipping them. Think about it long and hard. There's a bunch of companies and a bunch of businesses and a bunch of things that just fail miserably because the one equipping the workers doesn't know how to lead, doesn't know how to be the authority, doesn't know how to teach men to follow them. Those companies are gone. I can't even name them because they've been gone so long. And watch, you're going to see some other big companies. They're going to collapse. They're going to fall because they're following the CRT. They're following the agenda of the world. They're following everything, and it takes that long for them to be a has-been, a gone. They're finished. They're bankrupt. That's physical. Listen to me, people. We're talking about the Holy Spirit equipping us 
to live a spiritual life. We're no longer flesh and blood. Yes, we have this dead tent that we carry around with us. But we have a house eternal in the heavenlies that Christ is working on. He's coming back to get us soon. Do we even care? I mean, it convicts me to the, to the, to the core. None of us are perfect, but Christ is. And he's perfecting us. Some blows hurt? Yes, good. I, I am glad to get a butt spanking if I'm out in the street and not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I am glad when God grabs my arm and he takes me into the woodshed. He says, I love you so much that I'm going to bust your butt. <laughs> this is going to hurt. But you'll know not to do the evil anymore. Oh, well, Greg, you're preaching some other gospel because I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not of myself. It's not of works lest anybody should boast. And I'm not boasting over here. I'm just kind of getting my own. Really? That's your gospel. It's going to be hot in hell. What about the rest of the... I mean, there's a whole bunch of other words surrounding that letter to the, the church at Ephesus. In fact, if the church of Ephesus would have followed it, it wouldn't be Turkey today and, and be 99% Muslim and no Christians. We move away from the target. We create our own system, and we need to get back to God and his spirit and what he's leading us to do. Listen, it's okay to go through pain and suffering, no, it's not. We need to stop all the pain and suffering on the planet. We need to get rid of all the poor. We need to do... No, that's the devil's agenda. God wants us to go through some things so that we'll have some character. Christ went through some stuff. If it was God's agenda that we never go through any pain, why in the world would our forerunner go through such horrific pain to die for us? As an example. And why would it be concerning that he obeyed if we're not supposed to obey? Why would it be the center mark of his perfect blood that he perfectly obeyed everything? If we're not supposed to obey, I can understand an unbeliever saying, well, that's not a just God that would let you go. No, he's not a just God that would let you go if you go back to doing the same thing and living the same way and committing the same atrocities and think that it's okay. That's not a just God. It's not a just judge. That releases you and says, ah, it's no big deal. We see it in the streets today with these judges that are letting people out to go back and recommit and reoffend and recommit and recommit. And we're crazy enough to say that that judge is a loving, kind judge. No, most people are saying that judge needs to get off the bench. He needs to put some of these people in prison. So we have to understand that God's a just God. He's going to judge sin one day. He did it on the cross. And if we're going to believe that message, then our lives will change. Our direction will change. Our hearts will change. Now, it might take a long time, but we should come to our senses and start going to the Father. And you know what? When you do, when you look at the prodigal son, what happens? <clears throat> that Father runs to him and clothes him in righteousness, clothes him with his own robe. And puts a signet ring on his finger. He does become a royal priest when he comes to his senses.
But most of the church is being told that all they have to do is say a prayer. And then they'll say, yeah, but when we get them to the altar, we do some counseling afterward. So you counsel them to come to something that's not there. And then you counsel them some more about what's not there. And you keep giving them man's religion instead of the Spirit of God. It doesn't help if you go, wow, dude, you got a fire here, put it out, and you hand them a can of gasoline. It doesn't help. I'm sorry. That's the devil's plan, is to keep giving you gasoline to pour on your fire. We need to walk away. The Spirit of God will put that fire out. And then you can build a holy house. I need to get to some of this other stuff, because it's really good. I never got to any of it. The king's heart. What's king? Let's look. We'll get to it. We might be here all night. Listen, the king is the authority. And if people are looking at this and they're hearing the word of God and they're thinking, wow, even the king? His his heart's in the hand of the Lord? You mean God is sovereign where he's allowing the king to even do that even though he's been given him that position? Listen, Romans 13, there is no authority except that which is from God. There is no king except that which is from God. There is no leader except that which is from God. I don't care if it's the guy at your work who's your boss, and you think, well, that guy didn't even go to school, and I went to school. He's your boss. God is sovereign in that. God put him there. You need to listen, and you need to understand that when you rebel against him, you're rebelling against God. You need to understand it's not about his intelligence level. It's about the blows that God is putting upon you to cleanse away evil when you humble yourself underneath your boss. You need to understand that when your parents might not be the best parents, but God put you in that place on purpose. And you're supposed to humble yourself under it because you don't add evil to evil. Even if they're an evil parent, you don't add evil to evil. If you have an understanding where you go, wow, they're telling me to do something that's wrong. Listen to me. Then you have an understanding where you can follow God and know what to do that's right in that situation. And you should find out what God says in that situation. What he's asking you to do in that situation not what you want to do to take matters into your own hand. We want to do what is right, not do what is wrong on another wrong. You guys get what I'm saying there? I'm getting a little excited. So the king is royal. It's from a word that means to reign or ascend to the throne or to set up as a king. Uh, it's even translated, listen, this is really strange because the only king that they're supposed to be is King Jesus. The only government that there's ever supposed to be is a theocracy. God ruling man. It says, this word is even used once for Molech. Once in the Old Testament. For Molech who is again a false god. A false ruler. It's one that they would sacrifice their children to. The first usage is in. You'll be surprised. It's in chapter 14 of Genesis. I want to look at this stuff. Because we want to find out what God is saying. At the same time. So the first usage of it is in 14.1 of Genesis. Well, what's 14.1 of Genesis? It's interesting that 14.1 is when again, we see the first kings. Five kings come down to try to crush four other kings. And it just so happens that Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what happens. But listen, God comes to <coughs> save. I'm not going to read the whole text. You can read it later. I would read all of chapter 14 if I was you. And maybe even go a little. Well, read all of 14. Because it's when you're introduced to Melchizedek. The prince of righteousness. The prince of Salem. The prince of peace. 
who has no beginning and no end. And Christ is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Listen to me. You're first introduced to him at the end of the chapter. After what? These five kings attacked four other kings. And just so happens one of God's people, Lot, who's called Righteous Lot in the New Testament, is involved in this. And he has been captured and taken away all the way to Damascus, which is another city that we need to think about, in Syria. Listen, listen, very important. And then what happens, Greg? Abraham takes 319, 318. But what are they? They're trained men. They're trained servants. It's, it's actually verse 14. I'm not going to give you it all. You've got to go study it out. You find it out. You know, listen, listen. Abraham didn't say, hey, Lot, you chose the flesh. You chose to be in the world. You chose to be underneath the government and the kings. I'm going to leave you there. Since you chose to let their authority be your authority instead of what I chose to let God be my authority, I'm going to leave you captured. No, he instantly, when he heard the news, jumped up, said, get the guys going, let's go. And they pursued them. And because they were trained by God under the authority of God and blessed by God, they went and defeated those five kings. That four other kings, whole cities couldn't do it. He took trained men. See, we're supposed to be trained by God under the authority of God, knowing we're going out to win for God because he's already been victorious. We're not going out to lose. We're going out to tell people, let my people go. And we're sharing the truth, and we're not going to be shut up. And he brings them back, and then the world tries to, uh, to reward him. And he says, I don't want I don't want none of your stuff. I already, I already swore before God that I wouldn't take anything from your authority, anything from your kingdom. But he takes, he says, you pay these guys that went with me. There's a couple other guys that was, was with him. Oh, it's much deeper than I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you the, the top of the trees. Go dig. And what does he do then, Greg? He gives a tent, a tithe to the prince Melchizedek who comes out. Listen to me. God was concerned about people that were underneath the authority of a king. He was listening to a king. The kings were terrible. They're fighting over power and they're wanting to rule. But where was God's person, Abraham? He was outside of all that. He wasn't in the midst of that vex. But he could tell him the truth. He could rescue his, his nephew who chose the flesh, who chose to be down there at the gates ruling and trying to be involved in the entire authority of the kingships. God allowed it to happen. And it was blows that hurt. Do you know what it might be? That when finally, when God comes to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, that Lot learned something. And he said, you know what? I better get ready. I better listen to this. Because there was some blows before and some stuff happened. You need to understand that the hardships of life train you in the righteousness of God. When you look to God, you look to his people. But if you keep looking to the government and to the authority and to the king, it'll just lead to more deception. It'll lead to more deception. So anyway, that's the first usage of king. And it happens to be a pretty amazing uh, uh, testimony of rescue testimony of God's man Abraham father of many nations going to rescue just one 
all the other people came back too and all the other stuff come back but he was going to get lot righteous lot that's who that's what got him going your nephew's been taken let's get busy then i'm gonna go help the body i'm gonna go get him and he took the trained man and went and got him he didn't go we're gonna go try to get him i love it listen i love it the king's heart is in the hand of the lord where's your heart at well, if the king's heart's in the hand of the Lord, yours most definitely is. That's the whole point of this text. That's the whole point of this text. But do you know it? Are you resisting it? Are you allowing it? Are, are, you, are you fighting against him? Are you doing your own thing? Are you up on the roof at night looking at Bathsheba? What are you doing? If your heart is in the king's hand and he's the one that has anointed you and set you up, what are you doing with that power and might? That's really what it's speaking of. Let's look at that. Your heart is the center of you. We talked about that. We talked about uh, uh, Hebrews 4.12. It's the word of God is uh, living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I can tell you what I read as I looked it up. It is the center of anything. It's the mind, will, and emotions. It's your wisdom. It's your understanding. It's your intellect. But I don't know what that is. See, some people will try to tell you they know exactly what that is. Well, I can tell you it's not your fleshly heart. Because after your fleshly heart dies, there's going to be another death if you don't come to Jesus. And that's the heart that's going to die and be cast into hell forever. See what I mean? That's why God warns, Jesus warns, don't fear someone who can kill this heart, but fear someone who can kill this heart and cast your soul into hell. So I think the soul, the rational soul, is the mind, will, and emotions. That's my opinion. I can't tell you that for sure because I, I just really, there, there's, some, there's some different places where it doesn't sound like that's true. But I'm telling you, it's the part of you that says, yes, Lord, I want to surrender, Lord. We need to correct my mind, will, and emotions because they've been messed up by my bad living. And now I want to live right. So I need to change my mind in a whole lot of places and stop following kings and authorities that have nothing to do with the name of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean you have to grab them and wrestle them and kick them and punch them and fight them. But sometimes it might. But, but, but first of all, it's just simply saying, I, I know who my authority is. I know what I'm called to do. And you begin to grow as a saint. You begin to grow as a man of God or a woman of God or a child of God. And then you ask God for wisdom in what you're supposed to do. And God will reason with you. God will help you. God will provide for your needs. Remember he told Peter, he says, Peter, are the sons free? Don't you they pay taxes or whatever? And you know, Peter could have said, let's get our swords. And he goes, no, Peter, just, just keep the main thing the main thing. Go down to the bank. You know, you're a good fisherman. I know you're not a fish. You've been fishing all your life. And the first fish you pull out, take the coin out of its mouth and go pay our taxes and let's keep preaching the gospel. I mean, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? You're like, well, he just put the coin in there. No, I think that fish ate a coin somewhere in the ocean many, many days before and God knew it. Because it's his creation. 
And he knew what Peter was going to do and where he was going to sit down on the bank. Think about all this in your mind. And where he was going to cast in. And the fish that was going to come out. And he could pull that coin out. See, because God is sovereign in this stuff. And we think God is some type of genie because we watch too much TV. We think God is some kind of men or image that we've made up because we watch too much TV. And we listen to too many stale sermons. And we're not reading the word of God. He knows where all of his creation is. He knows there's no hair here. He knows and he counts all the other ones. He knows what's going on. And that freaks us out. But it should give us great security and hope and power and might and authority to go out and understand that he can do whatever he needs to do. Because he, just like the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, he moves it wherever he wants. That means any authority and any person anywhere, he can move anywhere he wants. Guys used to always try to get me to write them. They'd visit with me and talk to me, and I'd share the gospel with them in the jail, and they'd go, can you write me a letter to the judge? I'd be like, no. Why would I do that? Well, I just need a good reference so I can get out of here. I said, you got one, Jesus. You don't think he knows where you're at? You don't think he knows what you did? If he wants you out of here, he'll get you out of here. If the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, he knows how to move you out of here. And I'm actually, I watch these other pastors go and testify and fall all over themselves trying to get those people out of prison. And I'm like, are you crazy? You're giving up your whole reputation. You have no idea what that guy's doing in the back. All you know is from looking at him through a screen. And most of them are pretending. I'm not saying everybody in jail is pretending. But what would you want? If you was in jail, what would you want? You would want out! That's why it's amazing when you see Paul write five letters, and he's not even a bit concerned about where he's at. He's concerned about souls. And he's writing people that are free so that he can set them free from their bondage. He's not concerned about his physical. He's concerned about the spiritual. And that's what we should do. And if we would more people do this, we would see a lot more people come to salvation truly that would desire to be in the Word. And it comes from here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You learn to articulate what God is saying, and you walk in that strength, not in what man has been saying, not what you think you know about God. What is God saying to you? It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I don't, I, I mean, seriously. 25 years later, I still tremble to get up and talk about the Word of God. I almost canceled tonight. I'm like, Lord, I can't say anything about this verse. What is it about? You've got to tell me or I'm going to die here. It's not a joke. This is serious. If I come here and talk to you about what I think I know, we are in trouble. But I can impress you. I'm serious. I can impress you. I can make up a whole bunch of stuff. I used to be the show answer man. I could get, they used to come to me in prison. The guards and the staff would come to me because they knew I could spin a yarn bigger than anybody. And they would come to me to get stuff and say, listen, Downstate's going to deny us. Can you write a letter to make it work? I'm like, yeah, I can write one. And it always worked. That's why they always come to me. That's why I used to tell Tom Camp, Tom Camp, don't make excuses. Don't let me con myself out of salvation. Why would you let me con myself out of salvation? Call me out. 
Make me deal with life. See, but you make people deal with life, you know what they do? They leave the church. They go someplace where nobody's saying nothing to them. They go someplace where they can go straight to hell. And I'm not picking on the other churches. I'm talking about the person running from God that don't want to hear truth. And all they're doing is running from God. And you can't get away from God. You can't get away from God. Where are you going to go from His Spirit? You can't even run to the king. You can't run to AI. You can't run to any president. It ain't going to help you. They all have to answer to God. He's the one that's sovereign and in all authority. And he proved it by defeating death. It's amazing. This is amazing stuff, guys. But we have to grasp it and say, okay, Lord, I want to follow it. I want to tell people about it. I want to go with boldness and pick up the inheritance and take back what the enemy has taken from us. In this age of apostasy, he's still got people that will read the word and talk about the word. You don't have to be profound in the word. I mean, my goodness, when we was quoting the scripture, it's like, man, that's powerful. We just did that same scripture about 20 times in the room just talking about it before the camera even went on. Isn't that powerful? On Friday night, we used to do 20 beers instead of 20 scriptures. <laughs> Try to find 20 fights or 20 whatevers. We're talking about the word of God, the living word of God. And see, 25 years later, I'm still just as excited about it because it called me out of darkness. I'm still not there yet. I haven't arrived anywhere. But I still want to go, and part of me is there. Part of me is already there. So I, I know God used me to do my job, if you want to call it a job. Because that's what we're supposed to do as husbands with our wives. Okay, so the king's heart is in the hand, in the power, under the authority. We did heart, right? Yeah. No, we didn't either. Genesis 6, 5. You guys are going to oh, be here first. all night. First usage. I want you to see this. Just quickly. We'll do it real quick because we did it last week. Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw. Did, did you know the Lord saw everything you did yesterday? You know he saw everything? That the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So, so shouldn't we get some blows that hurt? If everything's evil continually? Well, Greg, I, I got Christ's righteousness. Yeah, but your heart is still chasing in the sin nature, the things that you used to chase, and you want to get out of that. You want to repent. You want to go the other way. You want to change your mind because you want to be Christ-like. Anyway, that's the same verse again. Now the hand will move forward. I just wanted you to see that's the testimony about the heart. That's why it's great when it's in the hand of the Lord. But if it's struggling against the Lord, it's not under freely the authority of the Lord. It's fighting him. Yeah, but does that scripture really mean that? Because this is the 21st century, and God didn't know that I was going to be born this way. Are you talking about my God? 
He didn't know? You're talking about some false god, because my God knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's, he's everywhere. How could he not know? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe. What do you mean? That's some new God. See, that's not Jesus. He hasn't changed. Hand. Heart. Hand. Where's your heart at? Look at the first usage. It means, it means this, the open hand, or it's indicating the power, the means, the direction, the force behind it. He's in sovereign control of everything, and he allows it. Does he want rulers like Adolf Hitler? No. But we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. If we allow somebody to begin to rule like that without speaking up because we're silent when we know that we're supposed to speak against things, and we allow it across the whole, the whole world, and rulers don't do something you end up with people doing lots of bad stuff. It could happen just in a little city. It could happen in a home. It could happen in a country. It could happen here real soon in a world. Because we've kicked God out, now we're going to get the Antichrist. We, 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 instead of Christ, we're raising up and growing Antichrist. Listen, instead of Christ, even in the church, the church is following the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit that changes the gospel instead of letting the gospel change them. So first usage on hand, power, where did I say it was? 322. 322. 322. Genesis? Yes. Always origins. Uh, not every verse is only used there. See, the next one's going to be used in Job first. Some of them, it's a long time. Before, just like you know, the word worship was first used in Genesis 22 when they went to obey God and sacrifice. What did I say? 3:22. Look where it's at. Look, look where it's at. Listen, it's the grace of God all over. Then the Lord God said, "Behold, the man has become like one of us, Elohim, uh, plural Trinity." To know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand. There's the hand. Now he put out his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God had mercy and sent him out of the garden. Listen, if man, Adam and Eve would have ate from the tree of life with their eyes open, there would have been no hope for them. There would have been no salvation for them. So in his mercy, but what does it say? That they put out their hand. They were God was worried about Adam and Eve putting out their hand, their power, their means, their direction, their force. See, our hearts need to stay in the hand of the Lord, but what do we do? We put our hand out, our direction out. That's what God's saving us from, is our own hand, our own power, our own religion, our own ideal of what we should be doing in our own kingdoms, and he wants us to listen to his word. So he puts safeguards around us. He did the same thing with the Tower of Babel. The same thing was happening. He came down with grace and mercy and said, lest they kill themselves and, they, and, 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 and destroy themselves, I'll, I'll confuse them and, and, and let them go everywhere. And it became known as Babylon. We're going to see that too in a minute. Okay, let's keep going. Jehovah. In the hand of the Lord. It's Jehovah. The, the, the Jewish... Uh, national name of God 
the self-existing one, the becoming one, the great I am. First usage is in 2-4, because he's the final authority. Can I say 2-4? Genesis 2-4. What does it say? Oh, this is his story. It's actually Toledot, his generations. This is his testimony of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Who? In the day that the master craftsman made the earth and the heavens. What was I looking at? The self-existing one. This is his testimony of himself. He's the final authority. He created it. He's giving you his testimony that he created. In the day that the Lord God created, made the earth and the heavens. How did he make them? We have to go back to the beginning to see that. But he made them bara ex nihilo, out of nothing. He spoke. What was that, Greg? That was his word. That was his voice. That's what we need to go back to. He's the final authority. He's the beginning and the end. We need to return. Oh, what's that? It's born again. A salvation. Come back into his house. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited again. I get excited. Then I start to try to rush because I see the time and we need to be careful here. So, where's your heart at? Because he's controlling the king's heart. It's in his power. It's in his mind. Or uh, his direction. He allows them to move. And then he uses all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Like or as is not in. Notice it's italics. It's not really there. It's the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The rivers of water or the channels of water, he turneth wherever he wills. So rivers is a small channel of water or irrigation or a stream. Um, it's, and, 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 you know, thinking in their days, we didn't, see, now we're thinking plumbing, we're thinking big rivers, we're thinking all these things. They're probably thinking of aqueducts or, or these little channels that they would dig or cut in rock and make water flow where they wanted it to go. And, and it would go where, it want, where they wanted it to go and they could turn it wherever they wished to make it go down into the city or something. Now, it can be the rivers, but uh, God has even placed them in place. Uh, it's the channels of water is what it literally says. Let me give it to you again. Um, small channel of water as in irrigation or stream. Now, listen to this because this is important because it goes back to our heart. Listen, water takes the path of least resistance. So that's why we want to understand the channels. Water takes the path of least resistance. So does a man's heart if you don't let the Lord instruct it. You will not speak up. You will not say anything. You will not cause any problems. You will not be the odd man out. You will take the path of least resistance if you don't speak up because of who the Lord is, because of the Spirit of God, because of the Word of God, because of the truth of God. Then you'll just take that path of least resistance. And nobody will ever be any wiser that you didn't agree 
you're a Christian. I didn't agree with what they were saying, but I'm just going to go on with the path of least resistance, and I'm not going to speak up. But see, we're called to speak up. If our heart is in the hand of the Lord, and then we're surrendered back into his house, when, when somebody is saying something that is totally bogus, now weigh this with wisdom, because when you resist the authorities, you can be punished. But So weigh it with wisdom. When am I supposed to do it? When am I supposed to have compassion? When am I supposed to be silent? When is it casting pearls before swine? When is it not going to receive and I'm going to receive it back on me because I'm correcting a scoffer? Now you got to take the rest of the gospel about this now. That's why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit leading you to understand the word, to be growing in the word. There's times to speak up and there's times not to. There's times when you got knowledge, but wisdom is using knowledge rightly at the right time. Okay? Just like the wisdom of God come at the fullness of time, at the perfect moment to save all of creation that would believe. So, like the channels of water, he turns it wherever he wills. He turneth it. Wait a minute. Did you skip something? Hmm. Yeah, you skipped a whole bunch there, dude. <laughs> You can go back. Go find first. Find, find the first usage. Search it out. I'm gonna make you be Bereans. Find the first usage of rivers. The second usage of rivers. Remember, oaks of righteousness. The man that's blessed is planted beside the rivers of water. Psalms one three. Remember that planted. That's a firm foundation. That's a place where you put down roots. That's the place where you're letting God control your heart and God lead your heart. Not taking the path of least resistance. You're standing. You're planted. You know your identity. You know the word of God. You know where you're going. You know your gifts, talents, and abilities. It actually, uh, the rivers means a split or a divide. See, there's a fork. There's a crossroads you're going to come to when it splits and divides. And you're going to have to choose, do I take the path of least resistance or do I allow God to use me to speak truth? Listen. Turn it. <laughs> That's a great one. Uh, he turneth it wherever he wishes. Where does God wish your heart to turn? Back to him. Where does God wish your heart to turn? See, because this is not force. God is not forcing, but he is convicting. He's not forcing, but we know which way to go when we come to the fork in the river, to the divide, to the water. <coughs> we know which way if we're spending time with God. Now, he turneth it. He means to stretch or spread out, to deliver it, to bend it. Here, here we go. Go back to first usage. It's in 12.8 of Genesis. It's amazing. When you start to look at this stuff, this, this, this book is so systematic. 12.8. Of course, 12 is uh, the, the Abrahamic uh, blessing. Um, the sevenfold promise to Abraham. And then so when he gets the sevenfold blessing, um, but in 8, what happens? 7, 
I'm going to give to you. Eight, it says, and he moved from there. Listen. Is God turning your heart in it? Do you need to move from somewhere? Do you need to turn? Is it repentance? To the mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent. We're in tents. These are earthly tents. This is not our home. Oh, did you? What, what does Bethel mean? Did you? It means house of God. Listen to me. He moved from where he was out to the house of God. Listen to me. What, 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 what did he just say back here? What did we just talk about? You're going to split or divide? You're going to decide? Am I going to let God turn my heart to his house? Or am I going to keep going the path of least resistance? Or am I going to come to Bethel and put my tent there and say, this is not my home. I'm a pilgrim here. He pitched his tent there with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Oh, get some testimony now, huh? If there's sin in the camp and you're in the house of God, there could be some defeat and there could be some, some blows that cleanse away evil. Um, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Listen, you come to the house of God. That's what this authority is all about. Listen, the authority that we're talking about, where God's, the, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. We're all under authority. You come back into his house and you pitch your tent now. You're back under his authority. And you want to always be reminded that you can go to battle and be like Ai, where there's sin in the camp. You could be Achan, who's looking at the other house. Remember, he got the Babylonian garment. He got some gold and some silver. And then he hid them because his heart was hiding the stuff of the world, even though he said he was in God's house. Even though he was living at Bethel, you could be doing something crazy. Think about it. He pitched it where he could see the testimony of these places. Are you remembering where you came from? What you were saved from? Are you remembering the testimony of what God does? I mean, this is some powerful stuff to me. And we need to choose to surrender to the authority of God's word in God's house. Where are you pitching your tent at? And again, turn, turn it. I mean, it always reminds me of what we need to do is turn. Metanoia. We need to repent, change our mind, come to the house of God, come to Bethel, pitch our tent. Where Jacob, when he began, what was it? Blows did hurt. He had to leave home. Where does Jacob go at? He goes and puts a rock underneath his head at Bethel. And he sees the ladder coming from heaven and the angels ascending and descending in the house of God. And he's like, wow, this place must be holy. Let me stand next to your wisdom, dude. But see, the blows that are hurting is that he's got to leave his family. He's got to go. But you can't go to the house of God and stay where you're at. The way you come to the house of God is come out from under the authority of what you've been taught that has been wrong that's underneath kings and begin to come underneath the authority of the king of kings and the lord of lords and you'll treat your home, your family, everybody else better just because you're underneath the authority of God. 
and you pitch your tent in his house. You better close this down or we'll be here for breakfast. <laughs> he turneth it. He wants to turn it back to him, back to his authority, back to righteousness so much that he came and died in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Listen to me. So much he came and died so that we'll just believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved from the authority of the king. You shall be saved from your sin nature. You shall be saved from this graveyard. I don't care what you call it, but you're welcomed back into the house of God, to the family of God, back under the authority of God, in right standing with God, because somebody else took your curse. Somebody else took your penalty. Yeah, but I just really don't believe that. I'm going to go back to doing what I want to do with my heart. Really? You're not going to let him write his word upon your heart? You're not going to let him give you the inheritance? You're not going to let him conform you into his image? Oh, I know positionally it's a done deal. But if positionally it's a done deal, then practically it'll be a surrender deal. It'll be coming to our senses. If positionally it's actually done in the spiritual realm, practically it's going to happen in the physical realm. Well, there's going to be pain. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be suffering. It's going to be hard because you're going to be the odd man out. But you're not going to choose the path of least resistance. You're going to choose the wisdom of God, the timing of God, the leading of God, the spirit of God. Well, I was just trying to get some Babylonian garments. I mean, what was you trying to get? <laughs> I mean, it's serious stuff because that's what the world trains us to do. Yeah, I said a prayer, but now I'm over here getting Babylonian garments. That's Sunday, Greg. No, it's all the rest of your eternity. We've got it broken down into time down here, but really, if we regard nothing as flesh and blood anymore, it's the rest of our eternity. Our hope don't start when we get there. Our hope started when we met God, when we said, I do with God. Our inheritance started then, too. Turneth it wherever, whithersoever, is the King James. It means it means the whole. It means any and every and in all manner. It means it's back underneath his authority. Listen to me. Not not just he turns it. Uh, yeah, I don't think I like that one. Let's. I'm just gonna sit here now, and you can go turn somebody else's boat and somebody else's heart. No, it means the whole thing. It's every in uh, Genesis one twenty one is the first usage of it, where we see again one twenty one. Is that what I said? It's used here for the very first time, and again it gives the testimony of who created and where they came from. So God created great sea creatures, and every there it is. That's it. Whomsoever. Every living thing that moves. Who created it? If it's moving, God did. With which the waters, oh, there it is, abounded according to their kind. 
and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. What does it matter if somebody else sees it and says it's good? If God doesn't put his seal on it, his authority on it, his ways on it. If it's not righteous according to God saying it is good, this is every, this is abounding, this is what we're talking about. Just because the world accepts it does not make it good in God's eyes. See, here we're seeing his seal put on it. He said it was good. Everything that he created was good. Here we're seeing that he wants to turn the heart. Well, I, you know, this is what I've been doing, and God's turned my heart, and I said that prayer, but I'm really doing these other things too. Wait a minute. That's, God's not saying that's good. If God doesn't say it's good, then you need to find out what God is saying is good. Right back to that word's usage. He turns it. He, according to his will, according to his wishes, is the word that's used. Doesn't that make it sound like a genie in a bottle? You get three wishes. It's his will. Because we always got to remember that his will is a written document. You're holding it. It's a written document. It's totally revealed. It's totally written down. It's totally being followed as a legal document in a courtroom. And this we're going to see on Sunday. That This, this is how we're going to be judges, this word. Well, maybe not Sunday because it got really deep when I was studying it earlier. So um, we might not get to that part of twelve, John 12. But he tells us that in John, that you have that which is going to judge you in that day. It's the word of God. He's not going to come, okay, yeah, but we got another little special part here in this contract. You didn't read the fine print because you didn't have it. And somehow you didn't get page 8B3. No, 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 no. Everything that we have is right here. No surprises. And you know what? There'll be nobody going, it'll be like, Every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. There'll be no argument. The, the logic, the wisdom, everything will be, there'll be no way to even open your mouth. In fact, every knee will bow. Those that already are bowing will bow because that's what they do. The other ones will be begging and bowing for a second chance and none is going to be given because it was already given here. That's sad to me. That's the reason when our relationships are strained, we're the ones that need to die. Because unless somebody dies, reconciliation doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. That's why we say, why should I be the first to die? Because Christ led the way. He was the first to die. So if you want people to come to salvation, you have to die to what you really want to say to them. You have to die to how you really want to treat them. You have to die to them being your enemy in order to wave a white flag and reach out to them and say, hey, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You have to forgive. Because, well, one, it helps your heart. But two, we want them to come to salvation. And that might be the hardest thing you ever do on your planet, on the planet, is really die to self in that area when you can just say you know what I'm going to get some new friends I'm going to get a new crowd to hang out with I'm going to go to the church down the street I'm not even going to talk to the pastor about it you know in all the years I've been pastoring there's very few people that walk up to me and go hey Greg we're going to go to another church they just leave and then start talking about you that's just what they do 
But if you really want to be right with God, you should go to your pastor. I always counsel them. If people come here from another church, I say, oh, you just go to another church? Did you talk to your pastor about leaving? Because why would we want a bunch of disgruntled people to come here to be disgruntled? Go to your pastor and talk to him and say, I'm disgruntled. Well, why are you disgruntled? At least try to reason with them. Because other sheep are getting hurt when you just run off and start talking about people. Not just the people at the church that's going, why are they gone? But the people you're going to try to bring your bitterness in and, and defile a bunch of people with your bitterness. And talk about another church. Oh, I just wanted to pray about this right now. Those people down the street now, they're doing this stuff with these snakes, and I don't even know what's going on down there. But I just want to tell you, I, I'm here for the prayer meeting, and we need to pray for them. But they are, and then the other day they did this, and they did this, and they did this, and I'm just praying. That's all I want to do is pray. I don't really want to gossip or talk about them. <laughs> I'm being righteous here because we need to pray for them, and I'm just doing a prayer request. And then he said, and she said, and they said, and I just had to leave. Really? That's all you're doing is praying? I thought you wrote a book. I'm sorry. I'm being facetious. I always counsel people. If you're going to leave, you're going somewhere, you're breaking relationships, there should be some talking. There should be a chance for reconciliation. The whole gospel, all of Christendom is about reconciliation. We're ambassadors. They're saying, be reconciled to God. And we can't even talk to people? Something wrong with that. I heard there's something just way wrong with that. His will. He will. He turneth them wherever he wills, right? It means what he's inclined to do, to be pleased with, what he desires, what he delights. First uses is in Genesis 34, 19. That's a long way in, isn't it? 34, 19? I'm going to be just as surprised as you, because I can't remember what it was. 34, ooh, I remember what it was. My goodness. Are you serious? It's the end of the authority, okay? Listen, this is, remember there's there's Jacob's kids and you get all the boys' names and you don't even get none of the girls' names and we don't know how many kids you really had except for one girl, Dinah. And Dinah, she was in Jacob's house and was supposed to be in town what to do and when they moved over there by Shechem and Dinah gets up and she goes out and she goes into their city and, 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 and this this. This boy that's the king's son likes her, so he rapes her. Remember that? Remember that? What did I say, 3419? So what happened? Remember the plan of the boys? They said, here's what we'll do. We'll take wives with them. They can take wives with us. We can intermarry into their culture. This is what we've been doing since we're not underneath the authority of God. We'll intermarry into their culture, but they have to be, all the men have to be circumcised. Remember that? So what does the king's son do? And the king, the king goes to bat for him, and they all go back, and they tell them all what's going on. And these guys got plenty of riches, and they got plenty of girls, and we're going to marry with them, and they're going to marry with us. And they convince the whole city to be circumcised as grown men. And then what happens? 
they come in and kill them. Two guys kill the entire city. Anyway, that's the and they, and you know what Jacob said, you've made me abhorrent to all the people. And he said, Well, they shouldn't have treated our sister like that. Anyway, 3419 says this. So the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. What am I talking about? Here's a guy. He's the most honorable one, and he just raped this girl. And in order to get what he wants, he's so spoiled, he convinced every adult male to be circumcised in the foreskin of the flesh. And he causes everybody else to die. This is where this word is first used at. His will, not God's will. It's his will to get what he wants. And he's the most honorable man in the city because there's none righteous. No, not one. And if we do what we want and what we delight in instead of what God wants and what God wills, this is the stuff that we do. We kill everything around us. And that's why the next verse is there. Remember? Remember what the verse is? Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. The Lord weighs the hearts. Do you know how right he thought he was? Because he was going to get his bride, and he was the king's son, and he thought he was royal, and he could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however he wanted, as long as we get this done. That's the way the church is doing it today. That's the way we're misusing the authority. Instead of being the example... And doing God's will, we just make up God's will. It's a written document. We know what it is. And it's really easy to look at our sin and go, I'm doing good. But they shouldn't have done that sin. It's really easy to look and see everybody else's sin. But like my Bible study teacher used to tell me, Mike Abney, he would say, when you're pointing a finger at somebody else, you got three pointing back at you. It's really easy. We can justify our sin. We can justify our actions. We can justify our counsel. We can twist scriptures. Twisted scripture, that's a good name for a band, but it's not a good name for going to heaven. Because the Lord is pondering it, weighing. He's measuring the heart. He, he, he's directing the heart. He's arranging the heart. And he wants to move it toward righteousness. He wants to cleanse you. And sometimes he will use blows that hurt in order to cleanse away evil. There's so many things that God wants to do with your heart. And he's weighing it out. He's pondering it. And he wants you to allow him to be the authority as he convicts you. As he tells you truth. As he proves your conscience and convicts your heart. We should agree confess not just that Jesus is Lord but that we need to change our mind and change our direction and allow God to take our heart in his hand and do heart surgery and move us where he wants us to be even when it hurts even when it hurts No excuses. The man who makes excuses can is good at nothing else. Oh, remember that song? Making excuses. Back in the 70s, excuses, excuses. 
No. Oh, I can't remember. I don't okay. remember that song. I remember, I remember the devil time. trying to make excuses. Oh, back then you were in the rock band. <laughs> I was in diapers then. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't remember no song called Excuses. Sorry. Yeah. Listen to me, guys and girls. Man, I hadn't heard Who's, that whose hand is your heart in? Listen, it's not just saying I went to the altar and said a prayer. Is the Lord directing your heart freely, willingly? Here I am, Lord, send me. That your spirit would flow through this vessel out onto others so that they would hear the truth. That I would not take the path of least resistance, but I would spew out on people the truth of your word with wisdom and knowledge at the time that it's supposed to be so that their hearts will surrender to you. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not fighting against his power. Listen, he's bringing judgment. Judgment upon the world. This is final judgment. He's bringing final judgment upon the planet. And if I wanted to talk all day, I would tell you that we're one nation that doesn't have a king as a physician, but they've had the president as a king for many years. And they've been ruling over us like a king. And they are totally resisting God. And it's going to end bad. Because their broken cisterns don't hold water. They have no power. They have no authority. And they're going to all answer one day to God. And that's sad. So you should pray for your leaders. Pray for your bosses. Pray for your pastors. Pray for parents. This is a crazy age. See, they're after the kids. They're not after older people. They're changing the entire perception of the kids. See, because co-perception is our mind agreeing morally and righteously with God. But if they change the perception where their foundation is shifting, they still the kids. They still the next generation. They've been doing it forever. But God is the final authority, and he allows it to happen. That's why he instructs parents to train their children in the way that they're supposed to go. I work with a young man that's been trained in the gospel. He does not think, even though I tease him about coloring books and crowns, he doesn't think the way that other young men do because he knows the gospel. He doesn't think that he's entitled. He doesn't think that way. In fact, he's such a sweet young man. Don't ever, hope he doesn't listen to the tape. <laughs> Because I have to beat him up all the time to make him tough. Uh, he's, he really has a good foundation that's been laid for him. But the world wants to steal it. And he still has to surrender to God of himself. Listen to me. They're trying to steal the next generation. Are you concerned? See, because we're supposed to be the witnesses now to speak up about it. And get the word out to others. And not shut up, but stand up, speak up. Okay, here it is. What's next week? You guys didn't even do it. You guys all shut down on me. You guys have been here so long you shut down on me. You What's shut down on me. Go now? read Second Kings 7, 9. That's the homework, first of all. Second Kings 7, 9. Then find your context of why they're saying that. 
And then next week, I want you to be praying about this. It's um, Second Kings. What, Pastor Greg? I forgot. Seven nine. Seven nine. Seven nine. Yes. Is that the memory verse? No. Oh. That's your homework. Okay. First Corinthians fourteen one is your homework. Because this is what we should do. If we want to mature, we want to grow, we want to let the king, or the, excuse me, the Lord have our heart, we should pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 1. That's the memory verse? Or? Yes. Okay. Write it down. 1 because Corinthians 14, 1. Okay, 14 9. 14 1. Oh, what? I thought you 1 said Corinthians nine. 14 1. Okay. Because at first you said 2 Kings 37 9 is the homework. No. 7 9. There's not 37 chapters in 2 Kings. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm reading the F's. <laughs> <laughs> the S in it's okay, Ray. We're going to yeah. pray. Father, thank you. We'll clear it up after we pray. Thank you, yeah. Lord, for your testimony. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word, Lord. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. <clears throat> Give us a soundness in our minds and a um, voice to speak your word to others. But Lord, most of all, may we not pretend uh, that we don't know that our heart's in your hand under your authority. May we not pretend that we're okay doing whatever we want with your heart. Thank you for giving us a new heart and a new direction, a new life, a new birth, and a new house with you. Thank you, Lord, for being the authority of our life. Thank you for giving us a new command to go and make disciples. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.